to this podcast. This is a new episode of But What's Next with me, Michelle Reed. I know that these podcasts were originally going live on Mondays and they should still be going live on Mondays, but I have been so caught up with the process of moving. If you guys don't know, if you didn't listen to my life update episode, I'm moving from New York City to Dallas and I don't have any plans to physically move my stuff from my New York City apartment until later on. I'm thinking that Aiden might actually move me out in Vermont and move his stuff to Vermont just because I'm trying to avoid flying right now and just trying to stay here in Texas so I'm trying to figure that out but we still have a lot of stuff that we're actually purchasing to furnish the new place and I have been so caught up with that there has really just been time for YouTube and moving and so I honestly have not been podcasting as much but I'm trying to plan out some new episodes and again I've been talking about this in the last few episodes but trying to just kind of make a shift from only doing episodes with guests to incorporating more solo podcasts and more just conversational podcasts and getting a better mix and so in this episode it's one that I'm very excited about because it's all about becoming a content creator you can use the word influencer if you want I don't personally like the word influencer so I'm not going to use that but just someone who does social media content creation full-time and I really wanted to do this because the last time I did a video or Yeah, the last time I did a video on this was forever ago. I think I was in middle school or something, and I've just learned so much. If you guys don't know, I was working at a marketing agency job about a year ago I started. Yeah, I started actually in June last year, and then I left in November, and I've been doing this full-time ever since. But I've also been doing Instagram and YouTube for the past almost 10 years, I think, so I've learned a lot. I've been on YouTube and Instagram for a while and have been doing this as a job for a while and so I think that I have a few tips and ever since the quarantine situation, people working from home, people staying home more, I've gotten a lot of messages from women who are wanting to start blogs, start YouTube channels, just all the things like that and I thought that this podcast would be really just informational, but I'm also going to tell some stories or a few things that I've never really talked about on here that relate to questions you guys asked, and so I'm really excited to dive in. There's not going to be kind of a formal setup for this. I basically just ask for questions on Instagram, and I'm just going to go through and answer them. I think that's the best way to kind of segue into new ideas, but I try to pick questions that were all over the spectrum from you know tangibly how to create a channel tangibly how to gain followers but also kind of the emotional side of doing this as a job comparison money all these things so I think it's going to be a really good one so the first one that I got was how do you get over the obsession of making your first video perfect and I really resonate with this one because I think that now it's so much more intimidating to create a YouTube channel because it is very saturated there are so many people on YouTube You can literally watch a person who does an exact niche for what you want to do. And it can just be intimidating when you see people who have really fancy equipment, they have really nice editing, maybe they just have a great personality, and you just feel like whatever you add to YouTube is never going to be comparable to anybody online. And so I really feel that. It was a lot different when I started because when I started, I was seriously in seventh grade and I would make music videos with my sisters to Kesha songs and that was literally how I started. I always get asked this question and it's always embarrassing because I'm like, yep, I would make photo booth videos and post them on the internet and then suddenly it turned into this. So it was just a lot different. It wasn't as, I don't know, I don't even think today it's very highly produced on YouTube, but I just think 
it can be hard when there are a lot of people who blow up very quickly now. I've noticed that. My biggest piece of advice, and it's something that I told myself with the podcast, was it's better to start quickly and adapt as you go rather than waiting until everything's perfect because it's never going to be perfect enough, no matter what. You're never going to have the perfect time. I mean, I started this podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, and I thought it was such a bad idea because I thought, you know, none of these topics are applicable anymore. No one, you know, cares to listen to this, but it's been quite the contrary. I think that a lot of people have been listening to podcasts and really enjoy it, and so I think that it can actually be a great time to start, but you will learn as you go, and the hardest part is starting. And as you go, you will learn your tone, you'll learn your personal brand, your voice, and how it differentiates you from those around you. But you can't really understand that unless you're starting. And especially with the podcast, I started doing very formal point A, B, C podcast, but now it's definitely a lot more conversational, I would say. But I learned that just by trying something and then listening to feedback and adjusting. It's kind of like whenever Aiden and I did premarital counseling before we actually started, our pastor was telling us premarital counseling is helpful if you haven't talked about certain things, if there are things that you want to be on the same page about beforehand, but you really can't know the problems that are going to arise in your marriage until you're actually married. There are some things you can foresee, but there are some things that just come up and you know maybe it's better to get counseling when you actually have the problem at hand when you're married and I think it's the same principle for making a YouTube video you're not going to know what lands and what fits and what works unless you just start and then you can adjust after that so I hope that makes sense I know it's still hard to kind of press public on that first video but you got it and you won't regret it another question I get a lot is how do you differentiate yourself from other channels and you probably hear that it's really saturated online I mean I literally just said that but I still don't think that there is not room for more people I think that there are so many different voices online and that's such a beautiful thing because we like to watch people that we relate to I don't like to watch certain people's videos because I just don't relate to it. I don't find it to be comforting. I seek to watch YouTube videos to feel peace, to feel motivated, inspired, and there are some people who do that better for me, but then do that better for other people, if that makes sense. So, and I think it's really important that whatever you're making YouTube videos about, it doesn't have to have a specific niche. Like, you do not have to be a vegan food YouTuber. And then that's all you do. While it is important to have a general theme and to make sure your content is cohesive, you can put other things in there. And I think that your channel will morph as you post more videos. And I think for me, my channel is, I would like to think, different than a lot of other people's and that maybe I talk about things that other people don't talk about. I try to share really simple things that bring me joy, like my family, feeding myself right, like cultivating healthy habits, spending time with friends, just really simple things instead of promoting like this materialistic, glamorized image of my life because that's just not the kind of life that I personally live. And so one thing that I would recommend is actually just to ask your friends what makes you stick out. Ask your friends, you know, why do you like to be friends with me? Because I think that YouTube is a lot like seeing these people online as friends. And while you never know everything about that person, you don't know their full story, you do feel a connection with them. And it can be helpful to ask your friends why they feel connected to you and just kind of let that come out through your videos and it'll naturally make you different. This one says, how do you keep yourself safe on Instagram as well as what you want public or private? You kind of just have to know what you personally choose to share and what you don't. 
for me, my friends and my fiance Aiden and even my family to a certain extent, I try to keep very private. I want my channel to selfishly or unselfishly, I think it's more unselfish to just be about me because I don't want the people around me to ever be succumb to judgment online, if that makes sense. I feel like it's something that I've signed up for, not them. And so I will share them here and there. I've done a video with Aiden before, but he's in my videos here and there. But even when we get married, I don't ever plan on it being like a vlogging channel of me and Aiden. And I don't even really plan on integrating him that much in my videos just because there are things in your life that are very sacred, that are very personal, that are very something that you just want to hold close to yourself and the longer that I'm on the internet the longer I realize the more I realize how true that is I think whenever you start it's there's this temptation to really share everything about your life and I would just really encourage you to hold back a little bit and to kind of question if that's really the safest thing to do and so just kind of draw a line with yourself, what you're willing to talk about, what you're not willing to talk about, what you're willing to share, what you're not willing to share, and really stick to it. Because I've seen it's very tempting because you will get more views, you will probably perform better when your content is sensational, when it really is very personal because people like to know your personal life. I mean, I get interested in people's lives that I watch on YouTube, but I think as a YouTuber, you do have to know what you keep private and what you don't. And so in terms of just like physically and logistically, never share outside of your house. Don't record the front of your house, the front of your apartment. I didn't do a very good job of that at my last apartment I lived at. I feel like I really kind of showed where I lived. People kind of knew, so. But definitely try to keep those things private and hold them close. Is it realistic to start a YouTube channel with a full-time job? It is very possible. And I think that people would actually really like that because people do like to see people who are working full-time jobs while doing YouTube and Instagram as kind of like a side gig. It is definitely a lot of work and you will do weekend work, you will do work at nights after work and it'll be a lot, but if you truly love it, you can make it happen for sure. And I think that it would almost make you like your job more because there's that separation between, oh, YouTube feels like a hobby rather than a job and it could be really good for you. So it's definitely difficult, but you can make it work. Another one that I got very often is how do you gain followers organically? And this is a very, very good question because it is one that I don't think a lot of people know and something that I still don't really know to a certain extent, but I can share the things that I've learned. The first thing and the biggest thing is don't try to be someone else. If people are going to watch someone, they're going to watch the person they want to watch, not a copycat. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart because if you try to be someone else, you're not going to live up to that person because they did it first, if that makes sense. And so I am fully aware of who I am and I try to be that online as much as I can because I know that that's what makes people watch my videos. It's not because I'm trying to be like someone else. Another one that you hear a lot and you might brush off, but it is very true, and that is to just be consistent. I see a lot of people who start, they post a video and then they don't post for a month and they post another video and they wonder why it didn't perform well. Consistency is a big thing, especially just for the YouTube algorithm. It rewards people who are posting constantly, consistently. And I mean, people who post three to four times a week are performing very well on YouTube. And so just make sure that you are posting often. I'm not saying you have to post that much. I sometimes only post once a week and that is okay. Just find what works for you, but stick to it and make sure that your followers have something to come to at least every week, I would say. And along with that, just be consistent with 
with your brand and the image that you have online. I was watching a video from this girl. Her name is The Content Bug on YouTube. She's really great. You've probably seen her. She's done a lot of videos lately on the algorithm, how to get views, all that. But she talks a lot about how people are likely to stay subscribed when all the videos you're posting align with some sort of theme. And again, it doesn't have to be that you post the same kind of video every single week, but there has to be some sort of similarity that keeps people coming. It's kind of like when you buy from a brand, you want to make sure that all their products have some sort of similarity because you are tied to that brand and not the product, if that makes sense. And that's why you'll see I've had viral videos and viral, by my opinion, is getting like over 100,000 views because that is a lot more views than I normally get. But those videos, I never gain a significant amount of subscribers from those. I never get like 10,000 subscribers, the video will perform well, it'll get more in AdSense, but I'm not gaining subscribers and that's because that video isn't necessarily the image of what the rest of my videos are. So just make sure that your videos are consistent in terms of theme as well. And beyond that, when you actually have some followers, you have people who are watching your videos, make sure that you genuinely engage with them. And I mean that because there's this whole sphere of Instagram that I've become aware of that's just the same people commenting and liking the same things on a lot of people's photos and I think they have like groups that you can subscribe to where you just promise to comment on their photos artificially engaging with content to help your Instagram and if that works do it but I personally would rather err on the side of just being genuine and my engagement even if you only get five comments on a video make sure you respond to those five and be genuinely thankful that they're watching because I've noticed since I started YouTube there are some people who have been watching my videos and I see their comments on every single video for the past five years and to me that is just like having a brand and knowing who your loyal customers are. And I learned about this in a business class, but those loyal customers are the ones who are feeding your bottom line. Ultimately, those are the people who are you know, contributing to your business. Just be thankful, don't be spammy, but if you like someone else's content, you know, comment on their photos. Maybe they'll notice you, maybe it'll help. It helps having, you know, friends online to get engagement. And I think that goes along with the next one, which is just to be content with a small following. Having many, many followers does not equate to a greater life, you know, greater acceptance, more money, etc. I actually think that there's a much greater responsibility when you have more followers, you have less privacy, more invasion of your privacy, and so more is not necessarily better. And it reminds me of this verse in Luke, and this is something that my dad would always tell me when I would just felt kind of pressured. The verse says, everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. And so there's definitely a higher responsibility that comes. And so if you have a smaller following, just be content with that smaller following, you know, cater to it, try to provide good content for them and just be thankful for them. And I think that that kind of principle will keep you from being envious of other people who have more followers and trying to seek out more followers and ultimately being ruled by your follower account because that is not a satisfying way to live your life. In terms of my own growth, I got a question about what do I think really helped my channel grow? And I think that the biggest thing, and if you're expecting an answer like SEO or I did this random hack or I title my video this, those are short-term ways to get ahead. 
I think that you have to play the long game if you're playing for social media. And I think the biggest thing for me has just been life changes. And what I mean by that is my channel always grows the most when I enter a new phase of life. For me, when I watch YouTubers, I do feel like I'm growing up with them. These are girls who I have followed since I was in high school. And it's cool to see me going through similar life changes as them or maybe finding new YouTubers who are maybe getting married, because I am soon. So I think you attract new followers when you kind of enter a new phase of life. So it doesn't mean you artificially do things for YouTube, but I just think that's naturally how it works. So maybe share those changes that happen in your life. For me, my channel grew the most when I went to college, and also when I graduated from college, when I started my job, that was a big period of growth. I think I gained 50,000 subscribers from my marketing videos I would make and when I started kind of entering the post-grad adulthood time of life when I got engaged while now I'm moving to Dallas and getting married like these changes and pivotal moments in my life are when I grew the most and I think that it's just because people like to see people going through similar stages of life as them and so it makes me really happy but that also doesn't mean you always have to be doing something new in your life to gain followers. Very stagnant times in my life. I've never been someone on YouTube who grew exponentially, and I think it's really cool finding people who did that. I've been at a steady 380,000 subscribers for a very long time, but I'm content with that because I'm content with the followers that I do have, and I'm really thankful for them. And this one is a very big question because it is something that you guys might not know, but I have personally gone through a lot and I'm very passionate about because I've had some bad experiences with it and it is how do you deal with the backlash from people who think it's silly and things like that for starting to be a content creator? You just have to remind yourself that you will not be all things for all people in terms of you won't be able to get everyone online to like you and not everyone in your personal life is going to like the decisions that you make and that is okay. I have personally never been a people pleaser, so this doesn't really bother me as much because I've just always been the person who kind of did my own thing in my life and sought advice from people who were close to me, but I'm only seeking validation from God who created me, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But it doesn't take away the fact that it hurts a lot when you get bullied for doing something like this. And I have had to have very stern talks with myself to realize that I am not doing this to be liked or praised. I feel a very strong sense of responsibility that this is what I've been called to do. For as long as God provides for me to keep at it, I will keep doing it. But the minute that he doesn't, I'll be done and I will be okay. I get messages from girls who watch my videos who say they feel safer they feel at ease, they feel closer to God, they don't feel alone when they watch my content. It's the reason why they feel this way. And for me, that's the reason why I'm doing it. And it's not for the praise of man, but ultimately to lift up praise for my creator. And I think that Paul says in Galatians 1 that as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I think in life, if you're a Christian, you are going to do things that people don't understand. They may critique, and that is okay. And the reason why I am passionate about this is because I've got a lot of questions from people online asking why I don't have like a super large friend group, why I don't have all these people around me. And for part of that reason, it's because I'm just naturally a more quiet person. And I've talked about this in my beginning episodes, but I've just been more quiet. I'm not the life of the party. I'm not 
this very outgoing person, I have a few really close friends and I'm content with that. But another big part of that is just not feeling comfortable trusting people. Very many bad experiences with just having to make friends alongside of my channel. It's one of the biggest reasons why I really love my fiance Aiden and what originally really attracted me to him was he didn't give two craps about what I did online and not that he didn't care about uplifting me and encouraging me and he's been such an encouragement in a lot of other realms of the business side of this but he is not trying to take advantage of my job to promote himself and that is something that is sadly a reality and it sounds so stupid to say because it's like I'm not even a celebrity I feel like it's like Hannah Montana saying she's got to live two lives but he has never once tried to be a part of it in a way that gets him more followers or makes him feel better about himself he actually prefers to not be that on my channel because he wants it to be something for me and not something that's for him i put up a video about my college experience that goes kind of more into this the social scene of what i experienced in college doing this and it's funny because i think a lot of people receive bullying on youtube from high school but in high school no one really cared what I did on here it was in college where it became kind of under scrutiny but essentially after I had posted this video I was actually swatted which is a phrase that I have never heard of and didn't even know it was happening to me when it happened but it's when someone calls a SWAT team on you and tells them that you're in grave danger or that you are a great danger to someone else. And so they'll show up to your house and they will tackle you. And a lot of times it gets very violent. This happens a lot with people who do streaming online when people find their address. But essentially this happened to me. I didn't get tackled or anything. They just banged on my door at 4 a.m. And I was living alone at this time because my roommate was home. And it was really, really scary. And as, you know, a female living alone to have someone banging on your door and looking through the peephole scared and having no idea what's happening, I was really terrified. Um, Luckily, they didn't tackle me or anything. They were just very forceful and confused and and when it happened they kept saying someone's name who they said was in grave danger and I just felt very concerned for this person and I knew who this person was and just felt really sad and scared and thought that they had showed up at the wrong place and I just kept thinking about that all throughout the night and I still just couldn't sleep that night because I was really concerned and just worried and on edge and so later I told my family what happened and my brother knew what this was because he I don't know has heard of it before and he was like I'm pretty sure you got swatted <laughs> put two and two together and it was something that I never really thought would happen to me but it did so people don't always have the best intentions for you but all that to say I have definitely experienced my fair share of people who don't like what I do online and use it against me and I think my biggest advice would just be if you know why you're doing it and you like it you don't let those things affect you I was sad about that for a little bit and was very uncomfortable sleeping for a week after that. Life goes on. And you know what? I have an awesome community of young women online who support me doing it. It allows me to be creative and all those reasons are reasons more to do it rather than just what a few people in your life say about it. So I also have trusted friends and family and just a faith that allows me to seek validation from other forms rather than people around me. And I think it's important to have that support system if you do something like this. So that's my advice. Another question I got a lot was how do I attract sponsors to my page? And so a lot of people ask about sponsors. My biggest tips would firstly, if you're just starting out, 
and a brand wants you to promote something just for exchange of product, I would not necessarily do it right off the bat, but if you really love the brand, I think that that's okay. I don't think you can expect to make thousands of dollars right when you start off of sponsorships. I do think you should always try to negotiate and you should always try to get money. That is from that's from my personal perspective, but I think that if you like a brand, if it's a brand you tag consistently in your comment, if you promote them in your posts and they reach out to you, I would be okay with doing it in exchange for product. And on the other side of that, never work with brands that you don't actually like. I have said no to so many brand deals. I don't actually use this. I remember one time I was in high school, it was this vitamin company. It's supposed to be for hair growth. And I had ordered them and I tried them out and then read online that they cause severe cystic acne. I was like, this is just not it. (laughs) It is not it as someone who struggles with acne. So I sent them back, canceled the contract. And I think that was my first moment where I really established I'm not going to do anything that isn't something that I would normally integrate into my routine. And it can be very tempting when the cash is good, but that is not a reason to compromise your integrity with your followers on what you promote. And so I would highly recommend just establishing that from the get-go. And if you really want to reach out to brands, you can definitely try to find a contact on maybe the brand's Instagram or just DM the Instagram. I actually, when I worked at my marketing agency job, I had control of a few brands' Instagrams because I was in charge of like seeing when influencers would post products. And you would be surprised by the amount of influencers who actually DM Instagram accounts of brands and just ask to collaborate. And we wouldn't collaborate with all of them, but some of them I'd be like, hey, so-and-so is interested. And then we would pitch them. And so I would highly recommend just doing that as well. And just make sure you're ready to explain why you think you're a good fit. Is your following really engaged? And by that, I mean, even if you have a small following, but you get a lot of story views, you get comments, you can actually calculate your engagement. I'll have it in the show notes if you guys want to do it. It's online. It's this program called Flanks. I think you get three free engagement calculators or calculations. It's really good. I would use it when I worked at our old agency, but if you just genuinely love the product, a lot of times brands are more likely to work with you if you have a largely US following or a largely Canada following and it's a Canada product and vice versa. That just shows that more people are likely to purchase from the brand. They're just different factors and maybe kind of try to explain to a brand why you think that you would work for them. And then even just beyond sponsored posts, I think you can broaden your mindset about, you know, how can I also make money from these brands? And a big way that brands are really using content right now, especially now when they're not doing large photo shoots with a lot of people because of social distancing, you can actually create content for the brand that never goes up on your own page, but they can use in ads, on their social media, whatever. And this is just called usage or content creation for the brand. When I worked at our agency, we would just work with people who maybe had 2,000 followers but had really great quality photos and could take really beautiful content and we would just purchase the content from them to use in our ads and never to actually go on their social media if that makes sense. So if that's something you'd be interested in, that is also a possibility. I got a question if it is best to work solely on one platform or simultaneously work on multiple I personally think multiple is great because cross-promotion is really great if you're wanting to gain an audience. 
But at the same time, you don't need to be on all platforms. I personally do not like Twitter and I don't really like TikTok. I don't feel comfortable using TikTok and so I'm not gonna use either of those. Would I gain more followers if I was on those? Probably, but it's also another thing that I have to keep up with. And so figure out what you can keep up with. I have the podcast, YouTube, and Instagram. That's good for me, but this is also all I do. I don't have a full-time job outside of this. And so if you do have a full-time job, maybe just pick two but it can be helpful having multiple platforms if you can. A lot of people asked about planning content, especially for podcasts for the long term. And so for YouTube and Instagram, I'm just gonna be very honest and say, I do not plan out my content well in advance. I find that that does not perform well. I actually did that when quarantine started. I was making all these videos that were very planned and they didn't perform well. They're some of my lowest viewed videos, which is fine. I'm glad I did them to try it. But I think people like very just organic videos that are current, that are relating to what's going on in the world. And sometimes I think when you try to plan out all these videos for a month in advance, it's hard to forecast what is going to perform well. And not that all videos are about performance because they're not, but that is a part of it. And so I usually just do like two weeks in advance. I'll try to plan out and they're usually just vlogs. So it's pretty easy. Podcasting is a little bit different. You can definitely plan for the long term. When I first started, I had 10 episodes pre-recorded, but I also didn't really like that because I didn't think I could really learn what worked and what didn't. When you're posting in real time and seeing feedback, you can adjust what you're creating from what people like in a much better way than if you just had 12 podcast episodes pre-recorded if that makes sense so you kind of just have to pick what you think I think that podcasting can be better when you plan along but I also think that sometimes it can be a little inorganic so you just got to pick and choose what you think how long did it take your job to support you and become self-sustaining and so my junior year of college I think is when I fully was able to just rely on myself and had you know, a salary income from this that I could live off of, but that actually took me seven years of consistent work to get there. So it's not something that happens overnight and it could take longer or shorter for you. I'm not the gold standard by any means. I'm actually definitely more of a slow and steady person. So this is probably a more conservative estimate. But I think that the things that really made my channel more lucrative in the long run, the first one was just negotiating better, asking for better pay, which includes saying no to things that aren't going to pay you well and being okay with that. And then asking for money for usage rights and exclusivity. Those are things that are in contracts a lot of times where they just want to use your content for six months and they'll just slide it in there and they want to use it worldwide in emails and in ads on Instagram and I just want to be the person that tells you that they should be paying for that. And there are a lot of brands who are going to sneak that in. That is so valuable for the brand, especially if you have a large following that people really value you and they keep seeing your ad, they should be paying for that. So I just want to put that in there. That's my little personal anecdote. And then also having multiple streams of income. I make money from AdSense. I make money from sponsors. I make money from affiliate links. Not really. I don't make a lot of money off affiliate links because I honestly don't promote that many products. So I just don't rely on that. And then also just Instagram sponsors and Instagram stories. So That's how I make money, but it's a lot easier if you have multiple revenue streams. And this one is just a personal one, but not buying dumb stuff. I think as a content creator, you think that you need to have all these things that really add up, even if it's just clothes. I think when I started, I just felt that I needed different outfits for different Instagram photos. And the longer that I'm on there, I'm not a fashion blogger, so this doesn't really apply if you are, but I don't need fancy clothes all the time. I repeat my outfits a lot 
more than I used to. And I just don't need to waste money on that. I don't need to waste money on the perfect furniture, the perfect co-working space, and even the perfect equipment. I got a lot of questions on equipment. I think that now you don't really need something super fancy. Even I just got an iPhone 11, the Pro Max one for my birthday. The quality on it is amazing. I upgraded from my iPhone 7, which I've had forever. And I was just really astonished that a phone camera could be that good. I think that it would work great for vlogs if you only had that. So also doing it full time really made it more lucrative because I obviously had a lot more time to dedicate to doing this. And also just thinking outside of the norm, trying new things. The funny thing is my channel actually grew the most not grew the most. I don't think I gained subscribers, but I definitely had the most views I've ever had. After I quit my job, I was just making videos that were different and interesting, videos that I had never really tried before that really got a lot of views. And I think that that was just because I wasn't scared to try new things anymore. I think when I was working, it was just I didn't have time to do that stuff. But after that, I could really focus on trying new things. And you can definitely still do that even if you do have a full-time job. I think that you just got to test the waters and see what sticks and run with it. On the question of equipment, I wanted to say that for my YouTube videos, I only use a Canon G7X. It's a typical vlog camera, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it because the screws fall out and the audio isn't great, but it does work. I think it's around $500 to $600. But there are definitely a lot better ones now if you just google best vlog cameras and then for editing i use final cut pro x for my instagram photos i will sometimes use my canon g7x but then otherwise i'll just use my iphone 11 which is beautiful camera is great and then for podcasting i just use a blue yeti microphone which is nothing special and i know the quality could be better i'm just not at the point where i want to invest in a super expensive microphone right now but there are better microphones so the last question that I got from you guys, I'm also going to go into my biggest mistakes I made and my best decisions I made so far, but I got a question about starting out with a management company and if I would recommend it. So I actually just signed with a management company for the first time a couple months ago and his name's Andrew. He's really great. He's a Christian and does a really awesome job and he's just nice to have because it's interesting being in this space that maybe isn't heavily faith-based, but having someone who does share the same faith to share his insight, it's really helpful. He's great. He also manages Chad and Tori Masters, if you guys know on YouTube. They're a really awesome couple if you guys like couple videos, but I personally would not actually recommend starting with management. I have done this on my own for most of the years of my life and I'm very content that I did because I learned so much. You learn so much about negotiating, reading contracts, how to push back on brands who are asking you to change captions that don't sound like you and asking for edits that don't sound like you and I think that it's really good especially for me for someone who's more timid and maybe for I don't want to be general here and kind of cast this on to all women but I think that as a woman sometimes it can be hard to push back and it is really essential to learn that and that is something that I definitely learned without having a manager and now I really see how he helps and how he's doing a good job because he is exhibiting strengths where I have weaknesses and it's nice just getting to focus on creating videos and Instagram content and podcasts and especially with doing the podcast now, he just really helps with managing all the business stuff that I don't really have as much time for. So I really like it. He doesn't 
ever tell me what videos to make. He doesn't even tell me what brands to work with. If a brand reaches out to me, he says, hey, do you like this brand? And I say yes or no. And then he tries to work out a deal that works best for me. So that's all he does. Sometimes he will help with strategy or just things like that in terms of growth, but he's never telling me what videos to make. I think a lot of people think that's what managers do and they definitely do not do that at all. The top biggest mistakes I made so far, there are five of them. The first one is relying too much on what others think of me. There were periods in my life where comments I would read online would keep me awake at night. I would make decisions, personal decisions in my life because of how I was afraid of being perceived online. I've had to kind of coach myself to not seek approval from people online. And another one is letting my brands use my content for ads on their own socials without proper compensation for literally five years. When I first started, I wouldn't even touch my contracts. I would just sign them and not even read them. And I would just encourage you, even if you don't have a manager, to redline them, to ask them, to ask for compensation if they want to use your content and ads for a year. And I'm saying this so much because I do think that not a lot of people know this going into it and I just don't want you to miss out on money you could be making when you rightfully deserve it. So another one is just comparing myself and my growth to others online. It is very easy to see people growing faster than you for people to be performing better than you and to think that you're lesser than. And I would just encourage you not to think that and not to focus on the numbers. Everyone says that, but it's very true. Another one is not setting up an entity for my business. So just a shield from liability. If you have an entity, it's just safer all around because this is a business. So it should be set up as a business and not just as a sole proprietor, which is what I've been for the past forever. And it's still something that I haven't done that I need to. And then the last one is just being scared to talk about it as a full-time job. There's been so many instances where people would ask me what I do and I was just ashamed of it and I was embarrassed about it. And I would just say, oh, I work in social media marketing. (laughs) And then they would eventually find out and think it was cool, but I was just too nervous to actually say it. So take ownership of the work you do and don't be afraid of it. If you think it's impactful and it's beneficial and it takes a lot of work, you should not be scared to talk about it. And so the last things are just the four best decisions I made. And the first one, and these are all just encouragement for you guys, being selective with sponsors and saying no when I have too many in a month. And I think it's important not to oversaturate your audience. I think ads are very important because at the end of the day, you do have to make money, but don't say yes to everything just because you want to make money. And I think that that's a big takeaway that I would want you guys to know if you're listening to this. Another one is just keeping part of my life private. Again, I'm very thankful that I have done this. I'm very thankful that I'm able to share the parts of my life that I really want to share, but also know the wisdom to not share everything. The next one is just trying a different job to recognize the blessing it is to have this one. I can't tell you how many times working at my old job where I was so thankful for this one and so thankful that I get to do this. And you really see when you work a quote normal job, the blessing it is to do this. And I just want to always be so thankful and grateful and recognize what a blessing it is to get to do this and never take it for granted because not that this is not a lot of work because it definitely is, but it's just a different kind of work. And the last one and the most important thing is just being slow and steady and playing the long game. 
I think that in our society and culture, we've just grown very accustomed to instant gratification and we want things now, we want followers now, we want this now, this now, and you just have to slow down, be thankful for where you're at, and know that hard work in the long run will pay off if you keep putting in the work. And I just want to end with this verse in 1 Corinthians that I really like. Paul says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. And I think that's just very applicable for the nature of this job that, or the nature of any job, honestly, that you would think that you are solely the only one who's responsible for your personal growth. There are a lot of outside factors. And as a Christian, I just believe that God is also a large, actually the largest factor in that matter. But I hope this was helpful for you guys. If you want to start an Instagram account, a YouTube channel, I just say to go for it. I do not regret this. I've never regretted this. And I think that it is one of the most fun things to do that doesn't really feel like a job that can ultimately be a job if you make it happen. So I love you guys and feel free to comment on any of my Instagram photos if you guys have recently started a channel or anything and I will try to check it out. I'd love to listen. I love you guys and I will talk to you in my next episode. Bye friends. 